This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Morning, everyone. How are we doing today? Sunday, May 30th. Can you believe five months of 2021 is over? Well, almost over. You know, what is that? Like 40 hours left in May? A couple of things hit me when I had that realization this morning is, again, as you get older, time goes faster. I don't know why that is, but it seems to be true. If you are interested in real estate investing, looking to kind of make your steps forward, you're looking to do the work, focus, you're tired of wasting time, uh, you've got two more days or, again, about 40 hours, eh, in reality, about 48 hours because I won't raise the price until I wake up on June 1st. Uh, So you've got about two more days until the price of how to get started one rental at a time goes up 50% or $100. If you've ever thought about joining the course, probably now is the time. If you're just not ready, you want to check me out more, you're new to the channel, no hard feelings. It will be here when you are ready. If you are one of the dozens of members who have signed up in the last 24 hours, thank you. Uh, Just know you also have access to a growing private Facebook group called One Rental at a Time Works. Uh, You need to ask to join. I will validate your purchase and then add you to the group. That group is the happiest place on the internet. It is where people network, ask questions. It is where we do a live stream 9 a.m. on Saturday. So it is uh, free to you if you have purchased the course And in addition to that, you get all the extras that my wonderful network are creating. Uh, We are soon to have House Hacking 4321. We are soon to have the Binder Strategy. We are soon to have some content on flips and much, much more. It's actually becoming kind of fun to see what other experts want to step up and add sections to the course. Uh, Pretty awesome. It's, it's wonderful to know that the one rental at a time mindset giving is attracting such quality experts in other areas. As we get started with the day, there was a couple of questions I had yesterday. One is, what was going to be the impact of 40-year mortgages? Uh, I have been asked dozens of times in the last three or four weeks. Uh, If you don't know, the first time it came up on this channel, we were talking about avoidable foreclosures and the fact that this wave of foreclosures or short sales is not coming because what is going to happen is the banks are going to work out, tweak, change, modify existing mortgages for people in trouble. And one of the answers will be 40-year mortgages. That has gotten me thinking. It's gotten me a little uncomfortable because, God, 30 years is already a long time and 40 years kind of starts to feel like forever. But I needed to know. I needed to do the math. I had not done the math. I did the math this morning. So if, if, maybe even when, 
when 40-year mortgages become kind of the standard, what is going to happen very, very, very quickly is real estate is going to appreciate between 10 and 12%. People buy on payment. 40-year mortgages would allow the payment to go down. Let me share with you the math I did today. So I took a 200K mortgage, and you could do any number you'd like. I used 200K. I assumed a 3.5% mortgage. I assumed 30-year fixed, and the payment for that comes out at 898. Okay? So I then took that same 200-year mortgage, or 200-year, 200,000 mortgage. I assumed a 40-year mortgage would be slightly higher, right? A 30-year is more than a 15. I think it's fair to assume that a 40-year is higher than a 30-year. So while the 30-year was 3.5%, I assumed the 40-year was 3.7%. Again, that's debatable. I had to pick something. The payment on that same $200,000 goes down to $799, or goes down $99. $99 stretched over an additional 10 years, right? That's what you get, right? Your payment goes down $99, and you get an extra 10 years. So then the question becomes... Well, if I could afford $898 for 30 years, what kind of mortgage could I carry where my payment would still be $898, but then again, it's a 40-year mortgage? The answer, $225,000, 12.5% higher than $200K. Your payment at $225, again, with a 3.7% mortgage, is now $8.99 or $1 higher. So I think when 40 years become the norm, we are going to see real estate prices increase. Lower payments doesn't fix our problem. We have a supply problem. We have a supply problem. So again, uh, we need to figure out how to get more supply whether that's 3D printed homes, whether that is um, some kind of tax incentive for people that own a bunch to sell. Don't know, but that is the problem. If we just make it about payments and we don't fix the supply side, a 40-year mortgage will only help the people that own property because their appreciation will be about 10, maybe 12%. Moving on to other topics, uh, got a very interesting metric from Core Logic. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to pause and see what you all have to say. So Core Logic did a estimate of how much appreciation or gain homeowners experienced in 2020. So for the calendar year of 2020, homeowners received or earned or got or whatever you want to call it, $1.5 trillion in equity. $1.5 trillion. Do you know what that means for the average homeowner? If you owned one rental, if you owned four rentals, if you owned 10 rentals, do you know what that means? Guess how much appreciation the average home saw 
in 2020? I'm going to go ahead and pause and let you take a wild guess. What do you think? Average home saw an appreciation of what in 2020? The answer, $26,300. $26,300. So if you were following one rental at a time, you watched yesterday's daily financial news and the live Q&A where we talked about the macro trends of millennials, of Wall Street, of us, the you know mom and pop investors. This is why one rental at a time is the place to be. Get 30-year money. It's going to protect you from variable interest rate risk. This is going to uh, be the way to get wealth. You want to be in the path. If the path is for increase in value, get on the path. Let the wind kind of bring it forward. A couple other things I found. Airbnb, thank you all for sending me articles. Uh, I got a couple on Airbnb yesterday I thought were interesting. The first one is a new term. I had never heard this term before. I'm sure it's entirely made up. It's called bleisure. Bleisure, B L. E-I-S-U-R-E. I had no idea what that was, so I read the article. It is when you mix business and leisure. Turns out older Americans like me uh, and retirees are starting to leverage the Airbnb platform for unique properties, things out in remote areas, and they are mixing business and leisure. They are, again, taking longer stays, 28 days and greater very common. On top of that, I saw another article, again, sent from a follower or subscriber of this YouTube channel about Airbnb. And apparently their CEO is out, uh, frankly, making some wild ass claims. And again, he probably should, right? He is Airbnb's CEO. He is talking about the Airbnb platform potentially replacing landlords. Let's all remember that Airbnb actually owns zero units. Let's never forget that, right? They are the largest booker of rooms, but they own none of them. So to think that Airbnb's CEO is suddenly going to replace long-term leases, deposits, proof of income is idiotic to say the least. And in addition to that, let's not forget that long-term leases are not necessarily for the landlord. They are for the tenant, do tenants really want to sign up for short-term leases month to month all the time? Do they want that risk? Do they want variable lease rates? Oh, by the way, it's higher in the summer than the winter. It is uh, very interesting to hear people talk about being a landlord when they aren't a landlord, when they don't work with tenants, when they don't understand uh, the uniqueness of what a year lease is and why you need to protect yourself and deposits and all of those things. It was interesting, but I found myself laughing reading the article because he has no clue what it means to be a good landlord. And then lastly, I want to ask you to think about five money questions. A lot of you have been following the journey of one rental at a time. You've read the book. You understand what we have done day after day, month after month, year after year. But a lot of folks haven't appreciated the subtleties in how Olivia and I attacked money. So I'm going to give you five questions. I'm going to ask you to think about them. 
Uh, if you would like, you can leave the, the answers below if you want. I'd like you to talk about them with your significant other and maybe even with your kids if they are of age to do this. So five questions. Number one, it's kind of a two-parter. I'm hoping you got part A easy. Do you know what your take-home pay is? I am certainly hoping most of you go, yeah, dummy, it ends up in my account every week. Right? So you know your take-home pay. But do you know your freedom dollars? Do you know your disposable income? Most people don't know that. I had no idea what my disposable income until I was 30. It's an embarrassing acknowledgement, but it is true. If you don't know how to calculate that, you don't know how to run through that, I have the course, How to Get Start, or no. Get Your Money Right, The Game of Money. It's all in there. goes through the Choices spreadsheet, which I've taken my experts through. It was awesome. So what is your freedom dollars? What is your disposable income? What money could you, in theory, light on fire and have no impact to your monthly lifestyle? That's question one. Number two. Could you cut, and if you could, what would you cut to save 10% on your monthly expenses? This is a journey. This is something Olivia and I did over time. We actually ended up cutting 50% of our expenses. I did a video several weeks ago called Choices where I showed you where we saved on purpose, planning together. So could you, and if you could, what would you cut? to save 10%. Number three, I can't believe more people don't know this. A lot of people are on this financial journey. They're looking at passive income, but they have no idea what their monthly nut is. Do you know what your monthly nut is? What, what, how much do you have to make so you don't have to dip into your credit cards or savings accounts or whatever. Is it? And oh, by the way, folks, it's not a round number. It's not 5,000. It's not 7,500. It's not 10 grand. It's not 20 grand. It is some oddball number. It's $3,381. It's 4,136. It is some number like that. Do the math. You need help. There's a $99 course below, Game of Money. It'll help you out. Number four. This is a big one. This is what really helped Olivia and I in the beginning is understanding needs versus wants. I want you to look at your credit card statement, your debit card, however you spend money, and I want you to add up how much you spent on wants this month. It's almost the end of May. If you don't have your statements for May or you don't want to go online, look last month, I don't care. But have an honest discussion. What is a need and what is a want? No judgment, just understand. How much did we spend on wants? That was game-changing for Olivia and I. And then the final one, the final question, this is why you follow one rental at a time is you want passive income. What would you do with $500 in passive income? What bills would you pay? For some of you, that's your car payment. For some of you, maybe it's your food. I, I don't know. But think about it. Start attaching passive income to bills. 
and that will help you understand your financial nut and all of these things. So again, five questions. They are number one, what is your freedom dollars, right? Take home pay, which all of you should know, but what's your disposable income or freedom dollars? Two, could you cut 10% of your monthly expenses? If yes, what would it be? Three, how big is your financial nut? And again, it is not a round number. Four, how much did you spend in the last 30 days on wants? And five, what would you do with $500 in passive income? Folks, have a wonderful day. It is Sunday. Enjoy the day. Again, remember tomorrow is Memorial Day. If you served, thank you. If you know someone who served, reach out, say hello, give them a text, something. Let's just keep being quality individuals. Have a wonderful day. And we've got the lovely Laura Morby here in about 14 minutes. Bye.